Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Well, it appears that uh, you and uh, Eddie Gordon signed an agreement which may or may not be binding. Oh, hey, Tom, knock off the legalese, will you? Talk to us in a language we can understand here. You, you want to trust me here, Sam, this thing will never hold up. You were drunk at the time, right? And besides, it's not a contract, it's a wager. Huh? you got to win this case. Tom's right. Thank you. Let this Eddie press this case. We'll engage an excellent lawyer and make a monkey out of that man. Yo, boy, yo. What? What's wrong? If you don't trust Tom, get a second opinion. No, I say, I... I can't let Eddie take me to court. Why not? I'd have to stand up and testify that I was drunk and made an idiot out of myself. You worried about the publicity? Yeah, I mean, the press wasn't exactly kind to me when I drank myself out of baseball. I'd almost rather lose the bar than go through that humiliation again. Oh, Sam. Quit acting human, it confuses me. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and joining me once again is the host of The Four Who Rule, a Seinfeld podcast, as well as other shows on the Right On Network. Please welcome Ashford Wright back to the show. How's it going, man? Hello, Ryan. Hello, everyone. Yes. You, as we were just saying before, you were penciled in as my guest for this episode since, I think, before the first episode of Cheerscast even came out. We we had this one planned long in advance. Because I'm Michael Richards, so brother number one. <laughs> yeah, of course you are, yeah. Uh, and the, yeah, the reason for that is you being a host of a Seinfeld podcast, and this episode has a connection to one of the major cast members of Seinfeld. So let's get right into our review. We're talking about Season 3, Episode 18, Barbette. Written by Jim Parker. This is his only credit for Cheers. Uh, directed by Jim Burroughs, the original air date was Thursday, February 14th, 1985. Wow. A stranger from Sam's past named Eddie Gordon, played by future Cramerica Industries founder Michael Richards, stops by Cheers to remind Sam of a wager they made the last time Sam fell off the wagon, that if he doesn't marry Jacqueline Bissett within 48 hours, Eddie becomes the owner of the bar. Although no serious lawyer... Or in Cheers' case, Tom, the paralegal who has so far failed to pass the bar, believes Eddie's case will hold up in court. Sam does not want to contest the wager for fear of his relapse becoming public. Carla finds a loophole in the contract, though, that nowhere does the language specify that Sam has to marry the Charlie's Angels actress, Jacqueline Bissett. It could be any woman with that name. Sam enlists his friends' help in calling Bissets all over the country looking for a Jackie. Cliff finds an unmarried Jackie Bissett from West Virginia and convinces her to come to Boston after promising that Sam would pay for her travel expenses and put her up in a nice hotel. 
The next day, Jackie arrives, eager to tour the city, but unwilling to marry a man she has never met. Sam takes her around Boston, promising to visit all of the historic sites, while also hitting up the courthouse for a marriage certificate and the hospital for a blood test. Finally, before the deadline, Sam and the gang beg Jackie to marry him so he can keep the bar and then get a divorce, and Jackie reluctantly agrees. When Eddie shows up, Sam shows him Jackie Bissett to prove that he has won the contest fair and square. Eddie bugs off, and Sam buys around in the house for everyone else. Jackie is elated that she won't have to go ahead with the wedding after all, but Diane asks if she wasn't starting to fall for Sam's charming ways just a little. Jackie denies it and insists that only a shallow woman lacking self-respect would fall for someone like Sam. Diane is quick to silence Sam before he points out that he used to date Diane. All right, Ashford, what did you think of this episode? That That's an interesting question. I, I told you this a couple of weeks ago that I was going to try to fit the the tone and voice of your show. This is my third time on here, and I feel like the two times I've come on, I've been like way out of whack. So I'm going to see if I can rein it in. <laughs> so it's kind of fitting that I'm, I'm, I'm doing a Michael Richards episode. I thought that this was interesting from some kind of if you really deep dive into what what this is about and there's certain angles I got to look at because it's kind of a run in a mill episode. Mm-hmm. But I think if you look at it like, well, one, I, I think we got to go a little darker than the episode did. So it was something where remember this is season three at the very beginning. Sam had his relapse and yep. that was kind of scary. So I think this is real. Like, it's like, hey, there's consequences, right? Like, if you have, like, wild nights are calling. Now, in this, it was something very innocent. It was like, hey, you know, uh, I bet you I can marry. But this came off, like, the way this was where Sam was like, hey, hey, let's keep this quiet. Let's keep this quiet. Like, dude, Sam, take him to court. This is a nothing burger. What's mm-hmm. the big deal? Mm-hmm. I think if we looked at the first draft of this, I think it was way more sinister where the guy was like, hey, remember you were drunk one time, but you were blacked out drunk, so you don't remember it, right? You killed a person. (laughs) No, I didn't. Well, did you? I hid them for you. So do you want to prove that I didn't do it, or do you want to just give me the bar or settlement stuff? Because the way they were behaving, and I know that Sam said, well, I don't want to go to the courts and then the press, they make fun of me and all this stuff. But really, I mean, signing your name on a paper – and they, they even told him, like, man, if you just get a, a middle-of-the-road lawyer, they'll get this thing thrown out so fast. It, I, I, for me to go, like, this is more than just what it is, I have to think, subtext-wise, this is way more sinister. This was about, no, you threw someone in the truck, and then they drove the car over the bridge, remember? Did I do that? I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> Sorry. I, I like this episode a lot. And for one thing, I think like on a surface level, it's it's a funny episode. It's got a lot of quotable lines. Everybody is on their A game in terms of like the cast members and, and even the guests, both um Michael Richards, who we said, who plays who plays Eddie Gordon, uh, and then some of the other cast members. Uh, uh the woman who's named Jacqueline Bissett is played by Lori Walters. Um, she starred in the sitcom Eight is Enough and That's how I know her. Yeah, a couple of other dozen credits besides that. Um, and we've got like re- recurring characters, Tom, the the sort of paralegal. Actually, the the character, the justice, the the justice of the peace, Harrison Fiedler, who comes in at the end, uh, played by Dean Dittman. This is his second appearance on the show. He was a previously in season one when Sam and Diane were supposed to get married in order to keep Diane's mother from going broke. 
Ah, so okay. yeah, he he was a recurring character too. Um, but you're right. I mean, looking just beyond the surface of this, one of the things I like about this is because it actually it does a little bit of world building. It gets a little bit deeper into that, and like whenever they kind of they don't do it often, but when they talk about Sam's drinking and his alcoholism, and you're right, this one is about the consequences. And he has to live with this. Like, you know, this is something that he has long since forgotten. Didn't even remember at the time. But he he had some very destructive behaviors when he was drinking. And that's something that will come back and bite him when he least suspects it. Like, just coming completely out of the blue. He has no idea who this guy is when he sees him. But he's got his name in writing. So much so that, like, like Sam even has the line. He's like, you know, I must have been drinking tequila that night. I always want Jackie Bissett when I'm drinking tequila. <laughs> and yeah, and and you're right because everybody's just like on the surface. You're like, like even Tom, who can't even pass the bar, is completely right. Anybody could get this thrown out. This this guy has no case, even if it is signed with like witnesses. It's just a, a wager made. Like, there's no nobody would hold this up, but. What Diane kind of keys into at the end of it is just like, you know, he he never wanted the bar. He wanted you to panic and settle. He was just out for money. And, and it was only it was only when Sam revealed that he had no leverage over it, then, you know, the the, the plan crumbled. <laughs> and, and he's willing to settle for just a, an olive with a pimento. So, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that one. The teaser for this one starts off with Norman Cliff. They're arguing about Anton Chekhov and Henrik Ibsen. To classical classical authors, and when Diane hears them arguing about those names, she like lights up and wants to get involved in their conversation and, and thinking that she can help help their you know literary insights. And what are they arguing over? It's the fact it, like Cliff wants to know what they were wa- what she was watching the night that Norm stuffed his face with cheese, cheese doodles or something like that, and whistled the way we were. Okay, you know, this is how I'm going to look at this now because I, I thank you for this podcast because this is my excuse to revisit Cheer. So, like, I'm watching an episode, listen to your podcast, watch an episode, listen to your podcast. And the way I'm going to watch this now, you know, we're all going through this uh, COVID 19 in the year 2020. And remember when it was like strict lockdown, lockdown, and you had all this quote unquote time. Mm-hmm. everything was kind of a good idea. Like, you know what? I'll take on another podcast. I'll do this. So I'm over there on the four who rule. I was like, yeah, we can do like a dual thing where we're in season six of Seinfeld. So that was when friends began. What if we were a dual podcast friends Seinfeld? So it seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> so as I'm watching that, now I can look at it where like Phoebe kind of does her like Phoebe stuff and it, it drives Ross up the wall. Now I'm like, no, she's doing that on purpose to troll him. So like when I look at a scene like this, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start watching Cheers like this where they did this highbrow thing. We have this Norwegian uh, literary writer and Diane thought, oh, okay, now I can talk to him about something. But they were talking about it on a lowbrow surface. But now I'm going to go, no, 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 no. They know everything about this Norwegian Norwegian writer. They're trolling Diane. No, we, we've read what you've read, Diane. The stuff that you know, Diane, we know it as well. We're not just pontificating about the bar every shift, but we know what you know. So that's how I'm going to start watching the show. All right, so they're doing it much more deliberately to drive her crazy. Yes. I, I, I think Carla must be putting them up to that, if that's the motivation. Yeah. <laughs> 
Then we get uh, once once the episode starts because it starts off with Sam coming out. He, he's greeted by Eddie Gordon and he's like, "Hey, I'll have my my usual." And then Sam is like, you know, pretending like they're you know they they greet they're very friendly and everything. And then Sam, when he's with Carly, he's like, "Who the hell is that?" And nobody knows. Um, and rather than admit that he doesn't know and kind of embarrass himself, he decides to kind of cover it up. But it's at this point that he mentions Coach's absence. Did you notice Coach not being in this episode? Yeah. I- I'm kind of like when we're in season three, I, I'm just scared. So yeah, for uh, for a, a very uh, a sad uh, little known fact for this one, this was the first episode to air after Nicholas Calasanto had died. Uh-huh. Um, he had only died two days before this episode aired. Now they filmed the well, they were filming the season earlier, like like uh, a few months before. So he does come back in. I think just two more episodes this season, including he's just in the teaser of the of the season finale. But he's got one more episode where he kind of. But this will start a run where he wasn't there. He wasn't on the set to like film these things. So they start just coming up with like different gags and different excuses for him to not be there. So yeah, at, at this point when the show came, when the show first aired, uh, Nikki Calasanto had died like, just two days earlier. So it is kind of pointed and noteworthy that he's not in this episode. Maybe they aired him out of order for that particular reason. I don't know. And this is where I want to give Michael Richards some credit, where if you're Lawrence Olivier and you show up as a guest on Cheers, then yeah, the whole cast is like, whoa, wow, look who we have as guests. But someone like Michael, Michael Richards, who was on the show Fridays, that Larry David was on as well, and if you've ever seen Parker Lewis Can't Lose... Uh, the principal, Miss Russo, she was on there. And Fridays, it was like a sketch show, like Saturday Night Live, but yep. it was on Fridays. And Kramer or Michael Richards was on there. So he's coming on there playing an antagonist and like a real antagonist where you're like, who is this guy? This guy's slimy. So you got to think about like his week on set where the cast, they're dealing with the death. And also, they know you're a one off. Like, you're not about to pull a, a Frazier and like win us over and like, bring this guy, keep bringing this guy back. They know you're going to be gone. So, like, what was that like? And I felt like Michael Richards played a really good antagonist. I mean, he even had, like, the T-shirt and leather jacket look going mm-hmm. on, right? He was the Fonz. Like, he, he looks was, slimy. Just, yeah, he was yeah. a greaser. Yeah, he was a yeah. 50s greaser. You know, I take my leather jacket off. I have my white T-shirt. I roll up a carton of cigarettes over it, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I felt like he, he only had a couple of scenes, but... His threat, as trivial as it was, it really felt like his threat is so real. I need to fly a Southern Belle across the country <laughs> to get out of this. Yeah. What happened that night, Sam? What really happened? <laughs> it's more than you just getting drunk and saying, I'll marry the celebrity. What really happened? You think so. You're, you're obsessed that some, there was some darker, sinister thing there. But I'll I'm see. sorry. Um, so yeah, coach's, coach's absence is explained that, you know, he went to get his driver's license renewed, um, and he'll be back in a week. And the reason it's going to take that long is because he went to take the test in Vermont because he heard that was easier. So I love that one because the setup, they set that up in the beginning and then it comes back in the second act when Sam is on the phone with him. He's like, congratulations. That's, that's great work. All that hard work and studying and cramming really paid off. You know, we're, we're really proud of you. And he hangs up and Carla's like, oh, so he passed his test. And he's like, no, he found Vermont. <laughs> Which, so is is that a thing? Can you get a driver's license out of state? 
I mean, it, I, I, I honestly, I mean, this was it was eighty five. Yeah, this was like thirty five years ago. So I have no idea. Um, the only reason why I ask that is because Texas is so huge. I can see us going like, no, you can only get a driver's license here. But there in the Northeast, I was thinking, well, yeah, of course you could do that. So I didn't. Well, know the, that yeah, was- that's the other thing. Like Vermont and Massachusetts are adjoining states. They, it, like it's right. it's you know like an hour and a half at the most from like the border of Vermont to Boston, like the city. Like, I'm not sure, like, but it, yeah, it took him a long, long time to get there. So, this European Union, this guy's. Why do I have a, a state license? Come on, guys. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So then, you know, once once Eddie does make make his threat known, and the you know you know Tom is like, there, there's nothing about this. I, I yeah, one of my favorite parts was actually when. When you see that, it, like what what you know, Sam is sort of like shook up and and kind of nervous about the idea of like appearing in court before a judge and having to admit that he was drunk and and all of this kind of coming out. And he tells Diane, you know, the press wasn't kind to him when he drank away his baseball career. You know, they're not going to be any nicer when they find out. You know, it's you know ten years later and he's still you know he's still paying for the mistakes that he made when he was a drunk. Um, and Diana has the, has the line. She's like, "Stop being human. It confuses me." Yeah, that was endearing, though. Yeah, she she felt his struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when Car- when Carla comes up with the idea that he can just marry any random woman named Jackie Bissett and that'll like fulfill the the obligation on the contract or the the wager, then Sam is, like grabs the other guys like we need to go through you know we need to call Jackie or we need to call Bissett's all over the country and Cliff mentions that he has phone books for every major metropolitan area in the country and when asked why he explains that he collects phone book cover art <laughs> and Norm is just like oh you're one of those people got it. <laughs> And this is before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I love that. I, I, that's why I like kind of revisiting this stuff where, to me, it feels like it was yesterday. But for all intents and purposes, this is a period piece. So I just, I just love that it was written. I have these phone books that I collect for the covers. That's not something you would write now. So that's what makes this special. Like, this is a moment in time. I right. love it. Right. I like, yeah. Like, I I'm sure phone books are still a thing. People need directories and they need like physical. But I just, I can't, I can't think of the last time I even saw one or, or knew where to find one. <laughs> Can I have your number? Look yeah. me up in the phone book. No, I will not do that. <laughs> just tell me the number. Yeah. Just text me your number. Or just like add it in the put your put your yeah. contacts in my phone. Even if it was 1987. No, I will not do that. Just yeah. what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love as as they're uh, looking as they're scouring through the books. Norm just dumps one on the floor, and he's like, "So much for the sun belt." And Nor and Cliff is at the phone, and he's like, you, "Norm, you philistine! You just put a fold in sunrise over Albuquerque." Like that's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, and then and then Carla comes out of the office. She's on the phone, and she says that she found a Jaggy Bissett who's ninety three years old living in a rest home in Maine, and Sam, like, completely unfazed, he's like, well, is she married? He's like, I don't know. He's like, ask her, ask her. And then she finds out, yeah, she's got a 94-year-old husband. They've been married for 73 years. And Sam is like, happy years? Like, there's a chance she might divorce this guy just to marry <laughs> Sam for a day. I can't remember the comedian's name, but he said that he was in this hotel bar, and there were these women there, and Don Knotts was there when he was alive, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he walked up to them, and he said, uh, hey, girls, I'm married, but it's not going well. <laughs> so that's what Sam was asking. He was like, well, she's been married to him for over 30 years, but is it going well? Because yeah. I got to get out of this jam. Dude, I was in a drunken stupor. I don't know what happened, 
but that looks like my handwriting. And the guy said, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. That's a copy. And um, if I don't get out of this jam, I'm going to have to appear in court. I might lose the bar. And my comp- compadres, they're not on my side because this Michael Richards dude is offering chicken wings. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, well, you know, if, you, if the ownership did changes, at least we'll get some free food out of it. We'll get some snacks. And food, some I like food. this idea of uh, Michael Richards going like, hey, uh, Sam, don't worry. I'll still need a uh, a bartender. Is This is like pre-Christy Alley mm. days. Yeah. And actually, well, you kind of brought up the, the idea because Sam is completely pre- – once he gets the idea in mind – He's completely preoccupied with just finding somebody named Jackie Bissett. That's his only obstacle. Once he finds her, he is completely convinced he can get her to marry him. And like, because even like before that, when they think that he has two days to find the actress, the famous Hollywood star, Starlet, is like to to convince her to marry him. And Sam was like, "No, it would take me at least a week." <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, this but, is yeah. yeah. He this he he's taking this seriously, but not really. Right, right, yeah. This is almost like just to make his week more interesting yeah. doing this. Yeah, so so once he once he actually does find her and bring her out, he's he's convinced. Um, but like any sane and rational person, like, you know, she has no emotional connection to Sam or the bar or what the bar means to Sam and Carla and Cliff and Norm and the, like these people. So she's like. I, I've known you for five minutes. Why would I marry you? <laughs> like that's like for just so that you can win a contest or something like that. Well, who would do that? Man, I'm trying to stay out of court. Well, speaking of court and like judges and lawyers, what about like you know? Usually we see Cliffy being the butt of jokes, but when it comes to the the one guy, he really steps up and like bullies this guy. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a carryover. We we've seen that like that. Tom is consistently like the butt of the jokes, and like the, his his inability to you know to pass a test makes him lower on the the totem pole than Cliff. Yeah, to, and yeah. like Cliff comes off competent. It's kind of like you know like okay, I'm the man of the house, but when I'm around my parents, I go back to being in son mode. Or in this click, I'm not the smart one in the group, and then in that click over there, I'm the smart one. You just you play these roles when you're mm-hmm. so it's like Cliff is the butt of the jokes, but then when Tom. The the lawyer where once he passes that bar, Cliff's going to be sold. He won't have teeth. Now, all of a sudden, Cliff, he's competent and making jokes at other people's expense. Mm-hmm. And he needs could, to pay time to st- stick around. Yeah, and it could be just because Cliff is so frequently the butt of the jokes and the one being picked on that as soon as he senses somebody else is vulnerable, he's going to pounce on that so that he can – he can establish his own kind of dominance because he makes so fun of textbook bullying. Yeah, he makes fun of Tom's uh, like a law professor, and Tom just kind of like stammers. He's like, "One of these days, I'm gonna uh, just kind of blabber something." He's like, "I don't know what," and he storms off. And Cliff is just like, "That man will be magnificent in front of a jury." Yeah, it's like if Tom wasn't there, these would be Norm jokes making fun of you, or Carla jokes making fun of you. So yeah, that totem pole is something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jackie, when Jackie's talking to, uh, you know, protesting that she, why she doesn't want to do this, she's like, she always thought her wedding day would be beautiful and special. And Norm was like, it can still be that. Like, let's have it right here on the bar. And she's like, in a bar, you think that's beautiful and special? And Norm just kind of shrugs. He's like, maybe I'm, maybe you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> He's like, so yeah, when I saw this actress, I was like, I know her, I know her. And when I when I looked her up. Uh, you know, I saw that she was in Eight Is Enough. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Eight Is Enough, that's where I learned quarantine, that word back in the early 80s. Oh, really? 
Yeah, they did. They had some episode where quarantine was going on, so that was my word for the day. And just like on uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, we all started yelling once we said that word each day. Um, I, I like when uh, when Eddie actually comes back after she after Jackie has agreed when she's like you know calling her dad in in Sam's office and Sam opens the door and he's like that's Jacqueline Bissett and Eddie sees her and goes wow what happened to her <laughs> what about this was so sad if this was really funny when you, we have uh, the, the Southern Belle Bissett where she's talking to stuff and she was like. Uh, you know, I told my paw goodbye and I kissed my dog Smiley. And Carlos, enough for that. You don't really talk like that. <laughs> I love that line. She's like, knock it off. Nobody talks like that. <laughs> it was crazy. No, and the thing with the Michael Richards character, speaking of subtext, mm-hmm. he must live off of one-off licks, lawsuits, gambling, hustles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he was real quick about, okay, this didn't work. Okay, that's fine because I got other things going. Mm-hmm. And like he had that whole vibe. So again, he's only on set for maybe a week or two. Maybe they let him do some rehearsals and he comes in, he knows that he's out of there. Yeah, I, I actually kind of want to, you know, speaking of like, you know, previous drafts, like I can almost picture a separate, a, like a, a parallel version of this story where they brought back Harry the Hat. Yes, I was uh, thinking the same thing. Yeah, but but I mean, at this point, Harry Anderson was probably locked up with Night Court and maybe couldn't have gotten out of it. And maybe, I mean, I just think, I I don't think Harry could have gone to the dark place. I mean, Harry... It wouldn't have been about Harry, that. Yeah, it Harry, Harry took else. advantage of the group, but you knew there was a kind of love and affection. I mean, Sam went out, <laughs> took, took Harry to like the, the, the fights or something, like a Marvin Hagler boxing match or something one night. Um, but with this guy, yeah, you're right. Eddie... Eddie is just a, a like a, a not even you wouldn't even call him a grifter because that's that's a little bit too classy. Like he, he's, he's just a low life. He's just yeah, lo- he's like just, a low life. Yeah, he a deadbeat low life. He just like yeah comes up with schemes like this to take advantage of people, and that's why I love like how the the way he's brought low by the end of it. Once you know Diane has his number, that you know he just wants to settle, and that like that's all that this was ever about was just getting some kind of cash payout so that he could you know move on to his next little his next little con. And once he has no leverage, you know Sam isn't willing to to, to give him an inch because first he asks for five grand, and he's like, nope. He's like, what about free drinks for him and a date for the rest of his life? Nope, free drinks for a year. He's like, just one on the house. And at this point, Sam is just pushing him towards the door. And at last, when it, like Eddie's like, how about that olive with a pimento? And Sam just reaches over, hands him one. And this is the one part of of uh, Michael Rich's performance where I see Kramer. I see that shade of Kramer. When he pops the olive in his mouth and he's like, you think about this the next time you go shooting your mouth off in a bar. And he kind of like yes. walks off. And it looks like the point, like actually at that point, Sam starts laughing at him as he's leaving. And the way he says that, I could just, I was like, that's a future Kramer. I was like, that's where I see him. I think the first couple of episodes of Seinfeld, Michael Richards played it this way, and then he got a little more cartoony. I think yeah. also what was really sad about this is I think the reason why this character, he did this with Sam, he knows that Sam is like he's a real person. Mm-hmm. If if Sam is missing for a day or two, someone would come looking. So he's like, OK, you're legit and you actually have something to lose so I don't have to do that much for you to do all these things because uh, you don't want to live in shame. Right. So like if it's a low life, like then he would have pressed more like, OK, well, I want to see this lady actually come out of your office and you guys walk down the aisle. 
but he didn't even push it that far. He's like, okay, that's enough. I got, I got some other things going. You know, you, you got loved ones around you. They did all these things to help you. So, okay, that's it. But if it was someone a little bit more scumbaggy, yeah, I'll take this all the way to the max because I don't believe you would show up in a courtroom because you got other scams going that they're going to find out about. So, yeah, I think I'm looking into this way more deep than I should. But yeah, I just think that Michael Richards, he he played this well. But the, he, he absolutely did. And I think part of it is the strength of that performance, but also just the natural how, how talented the writing and the performances were on the show. And again, this one was written by a guy who never wrote another episode of Cheers. But like this character was at least fully formed enough that we're creating these old backstories and these motivations for him and everything. I was like, I would watch a spinoff show with this guy. Maybe maybe not a whole series, but like an episode of what other schemes this guy has. Like even though he's like greasy and skeevy and you hate him, I was like, it is. There's something fascinating about him. I was like, I would like he to even, see. Him. Hey, he even told uh, Shelley Law's character Diane. He said, "Hush it, Blondie." Yeah, this yeah. is between us men of the world. I was like, yikes! And the, and the fact is, <laughs> Carla found him attractive by the end of yes. it. Yes! Yeah, that assertiveness when he told Blondie to shut up, she was like, oh, you take a charge kind of man. Yeah, she was assertive. She actually showed, she tells it to Diane. She's like, it kind of grows on you. It's like, yes, of course. That is exactly the type of guy. Because that he's pretty much like the same type as Nick Tortelli. He's very similar. He's cut from the same little cloth. So, of course, Diane, or Carla would be into that. Carla, sometimes I listen to you when you say, uh, hey, Cheers is filmed in front of a live studio audience, and I want to tell you that people don't talk like that, but oh well. <laughs> so by the time we get to the end, you know, Sam thinks as soon as the guy walks out the door that all of his problems are over, and Diane is like, you're forgetting about somebody, the woman who you've been stringing along, who now you just convinced to marry you, now you have to break her heart and, and let her down, because Diane thinks... Naturally, if Diane could fall for for somebody like Sam, then of course this other woman would have too. And if she agreed to marry it, she must be feeling something for him. So when Jack comes out, she's like, "No, no." And Diana's like, "Of course, you know, Sam. You know, he's an attractive guy." And Jackie's like, "Oh yeah, almost as attractive as he thinks he is." <laughs> couldn't, <laughs> couldn't stop complimenting himself, except when he asked me to do it. So, um, so just like the fact that you know. Diane recognizes that Jackie, you know, they, they're similar in their disdain and, and how much they, you know, they can mock Sam, but the difference, and as soon as Diane realizes it, the difference that Jackie wasn't swayed by him and, and doesn't feel nothing for her, then Diane has to kind of clam up and, and hide the fact that she was taken in by him too. So, I mean, kind of coming back to the same the same sort of shame that Sam felt and not wanting to reveal in public his own mistakes and his own, you know, destructive behavior when his alcoholism, Diane has the same shame at the very end of it, that she has to hide the fact that she went out with him for a whole year out of her life, like against all of her better judgment and, and wisdom. So I, I think it's a nice little reversal at the end that Diane is pretty much in the same emotional spot that Sam was earlier. I'll give Diane some credit. She was working shifts with the guy. I think if uh, this beset lady, she worked at Cheers, and Sam's doing all those gentlemanly wiles. She would have uh, fell for it as well. Yeah, it might, yeah, it might have taken a year, but yeah, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I give it a week. <laughs> I got my New Year's resolution. And I give it a week. You know, uh, <laughs> one thing I thought was funny was this is another thing where it's me watching the show from a different angle. There was a part where uh, Diane tells Sam, "Hey, I have some dire news," and he said, "Good or bad." <laughs> 
I think now he knows what dire means. He's tro- even in all this peril that he's through, he's trolling Shelly Long. He's he's trolling Diane. I, I think they get they get a kick out of it. It's like, hey, I'm poking at my little sister. Like I I'm I'm trolling her, getting her mad. She's crying to mom and dad. You think? Yeah. That that's so that's how I'm gonna read this. Alright. I, I thought you was just like too distracted to actually think about the question very much, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. You had a lot too many. Yeah, Sam said, I, "I think I had a lot, I had too many of that." He said, "No, you had a lot too many, pal." I mean, that, again, that was kind of scary because it's someone like I don't remember this night, and they're coming out of nowhere and they're saying you did these things, and I signed this. Like, this is just some scary stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's like, you know, you know, we might have been talking about something, and he's like, yeah, but not everyone does that in front of witnesses, and he like pulls out the the contract, yeah. Anything else you, before we get to our superlative categories? Let's do the superlatives. All right. Um, Norm, actually, he, he made up for some some weaker showings earlier in the season. Uh, I gave credit for Norm for having six beers this episode hmm. uh, for his tab, including the one that Sam buys at the round of the house. We just get it, gets it in just under the wire. Uh, Diane pours in that, that last drink. Um, but six beers for this episode brings him to 255 for the series so far. For the employee of the week, this one's MVP. Um, I the the when I was watching this, I I actually found it harder to narrow this one down than usual, and it was just because I found like everybody was doing comparable. Like every line Carla had was great. Every line that Cliff and Norm and everybody did was great. Ultimately, I'm going to land on Sam because he's the lead. It's kind of like, it's it's an episode about him, and just. The heaviness of, uh, you know, think the consequences of his alcoholism, that scene when he doesn't want to fight it in court and he has to confess that to Diane. Um, and then, but earlier than that, like just when he has to pretend like he knows Eddie and, and the way he's like talking to Jackie and, and taking her on the tour, Sam kind of bounces around a lot. So Ted Danson got a lot more to do. So I think that's why I'm going to end up giving it to Sam. But yeah, everybody did really good on this one. I'm going to give employee of the week to Sam as well. Uh, just when I'm rewatching these, you, you know, at first I was having a Shelley Long renaissance, but as time goes on, I really zero in on Ted Danson because he is a very understated leading man, especially in these, this early run, mm-hmm. because he's surrounded by these characters. They're very colorful, so it's easier to kind of look at them. I'm not saying that he's a thankless hero, right. but like he's not begging for attention. He's doing everything in the pocket. He is setting up this universe for these colorful characters to act in. But like he never like, oh, Kelsey Grammer's here, wonderful actor. Well, let me No, He he does everything in the pocket, but he draws you in so much Mm -hmm. because he has some type of charisma. But it's not even charisma. I don't know what is just is very understated. And he's not begging for attention. He's not begging for laughs. He's not begging for heartthrobs or anything like that. But he just has it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Sam. And then another one where he's trolling Diane is where he goes, uh, you know, you just ruined that young woman's heart. And he goes, which one? He's looking around again. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. He's not Dumbo. Yeah. He's trolling Diane. There you go. Um, for the home runs, for the best gags or best moments in this one. When, when I, I love this one so much. It's when Carla is looking at the contract. And she's, she shouts out, hey, I got an idea. And Diane very slowly thinks about it. She's like, you mean you actually conceived of something besides a child? 
Foo, that's a that's a dig, and that's a yeah. that's a strange one coming from Diane, and, and that that one is pointed. But I also it's compounded by I love Carla's response because Carla actually sits with it, and she's like a bitter and unprovoked attack. I like it. <laughs> she's, she's, she's like she's like I can't even be offended by that because I respect how how hurtful that was. Good job, Diane. We'll we'll come back to that later, and then and then she kind of jumps back into the contract thing. But I just love that moment. If, this, if that was written in the early 2000s, Carla would have said, did we just become best friends? <laughs> so that would have been my home run. But I'm going to pick this one. This is a very quiet moment. But I, I think this is huge because I'm thinking the same thing throughout. There was a part where Diane, where she's sitting there and she's reading her paperback novel. She's been doing that lately. She goes, your vanity knows no bounds. And it's like, Yeah. <laughs> Sam, you really think it doesn't matter who the person is? Mm-hmm. Like, he just married me real quick, and then I'm going to divorce you real quick. Like, he's acting like this isn't a big deal at all. You know, he makes that comment about, like, yeah, I can't get her in a day. I'll get that celebrity. It would take at least a week. Right. But he's re- he really believes, like, if it's just some, some, low, some low man, some low lady, oh, yeah, she'll do this. So I'm going to go with Diane where she goes, your vanity knows no bounds. Batman knows no bounds. Yeah, that's Christian Bale, Dark Knight. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and actually, you got me thinking. Like, I, it's it's showing up a little bit more if you know what to look for. Because at this point, while they were filming, Shelley Long was pregnant, so they're doing mm-hmm. a lot more scenes with her sitting at the bar or behind the bar, or something, reading her book or something, and the clothes that she's wearing is a little bit looser. But I found that in the second act when she was wearing kind of like a purple sweater vest, there were a few shots where you could sort of see, yeah, the angle was showing a little bit of a bump there. Norbert, you can't leave me. I'm with Trout. <laughs> Any final thoughts before we go? Uh, again, just it, every time I watch these Cheers episodes, it just seems like it's just master class. Like I, I'm watching and I'm laughing, but <laughs> I'm also watching just like, wow, this is just a study in good sitcom humor and Earlier in your run, there were some fellows on here, and they talked about how the writers and creators of Cheers, they came from the radio days. Mm-hmm. And I even hear that with Ted Danson. Like, it seems like even him, with his diction is very distinct and clear, and you can close your eyes and just hear it. It's, it's very crisp. So that plays also in his leading role, leading man type charisma. All right, Ashford, thank you very much for coming back on Cheerscast. Uh, until we see you again, where else can people find you on the podcastosphere? Oh, yeah, you can follow me at The Four Who Rule, that's Numerical Four, on Twitter. Uh, also at Huntress Podcast. I do a Huntress Podcast. So if you go to writeonnetwork.com, that is W R I G H T on network.com, you can find content that I work on. And also if you go to thehuntresspodcast.com I have content there as well where we do a number of podcasts from Helena Wayne, Helena Bertinelli Huntress Podcasts uh, Cassandra Kane Bad Girl Podcast as well as now with Tim uh, with Tim Price mm-hmm. we talk about Batman and the Outsiders yeah. and um, also at the rightonnetwork.com we have uh, the Four Who Rule the Seinfeld Podcast as well as uh, Feathers and Foes at Birds of Prey podcast. So check us out if you can. Uh, very, very cool. Do that. 
Uh, listeners, thanks to all of you out there who check out Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians, Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack, and this here Ashford Wright from the Right On Network who sponsored this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks everyone for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Congratulations, Coach. I mean, all the weeks of cramming, burning the midnight oil, and drilling with your friends. I mean, it's all paid off. We're proud of you. Yeah, all right, take care. (laughs) Coach passed his driver's test? No, he found Vermont. (laughs) Ha ha ha!